This is Channel 253. In this episode of Crossing Division. Every district, what happens matters in the other one, too, because mm-hmm. the, the place where the nearest oh, bridge lets out is in the 28th, which has, has become much more democratic over this decade, but yeah. was, was originally drawn to be a swing district and, and still is very competitive. Yeah. Um, so it, it'll... I, I don't know what will happen, and, and it it's a, involves a bunch of trade-offs, but it would not be unprecedented because, you know, the uh, the seventh county council district, that crosses the bridge, and yeah. Derek Kilmer's district crosses the bridge. Um, so... That'll be that's that's I think the big Pierce mm-hmm. County unknown in my mind. Channel two five three is a member supported podcast network. I'm producer Doug Mackey, and I'm asking you to become a member and show your support. Go to channel two five three dot com slash membership to join. Thank you. Hi, this is Evelyn Lopez. Today on Crossing Division, we have part one of an exciting two-part episode on redistricting. Now, you may wonder, what is redistricting? Why does that matter? And we're going to tell you all about it. So with me today, I have Phil Gardner. Welcome. Thank you. Marty Campbell. Welcome. Thank you. And both of you bring some real specialized expertise to this discussion. So, Phil, I've been following you on Twitter, and I've seen you around at local political activities. But um, tell me about yourself and tell me what your interest is in redistricting. Sure, yeah. So I I currently work um, as chief of staff to Lieutenant Governor Denny Heck um, down in Olympia um, since he took office earlier this year. And... Uh, just to be clear, that that job has no formal role in the redistricting process, and as a statewide, we are we are lucky to not have to be uh, subject to the whims here. So that is that is one nice thing. Um, but previously, I've done a lot of different campaign work. I was a candidate myself um, in the tenth congressional district last year, um, but also worked for Danny on a number of different congressional campaigns, um, including back in 2011, 2012 when the 10th Congressional District was was being drawn. Mm-hmm. Um, so I experienced 10 years ago that process pretty up close, um, but then also follow the the other bits and ins and outs of it um, just because it is so important. Yeah. Well, and so redistricting, we often look at it kind of on a statewide basis, both for legislative districts and for congressional districts in the state, but it also has an impact locally. So, Marty, tell me a little bit about what you are looking at in the redistricting world, because county uh, districts will also be yes. possibly changing. Uh, county districts and city of Tacoma. Uh, I was on the Tacoma City Council in uh, 2012 when we redid it, actually came through the committee I was on. And so I've got a little bit of information on city of Tacoma. And then in the county process, we're right in the middle of our process at having just received the numbers and uh, it's starting to kind of put the committee process in place. Perfect. So let's back up a second and start with kind of big picture. What is redistricting? Why do we care about this? Do you want to start on that one, Phil? Sure. So, you know, in in the United States um, and in every state and and I think nearly every city and county, we choose to elect our legislative bodies through geographic districts. So we set a number of representatives that are going to be on each chamber and each council. And then every so often, every 10 years now, we draw the lines for which different geographies those members are going to represent. Um, 
the fact that we do it with districts at all is, in fact, a choice. There are countries all over the world that use forms of proportional representation or sort of a mixed form of proportional representation and districts. Um, Norway had an election on Monday where they do a mixed system. But here in the United States, this is what we do. And why it, it's so important is because it determines even before any ballots are cast or candidates declare what the, the sort of battlefield is going to be or what the rules of the game are going to be for that, that decade. Um, and historically, throughout the history of the United States, the redistricting process has been used to um, discriminate against uh, racial minorities, against um, people in urban areas. Um, there was a, a whole bunch of Supreme Court litigation that happened in the 1960s that um, sort of formalized and made this more uniform across the, the country. But it's an incredibly important moment because sort of all the power in the legislative branch at least the ones that that have districts is is up for grabs um, before even any votes are cast. Mm -hmm. So it, it matters a lot. Mm -hmm. It's kind of uh, one of those basic building blocks of democracy. Mm -hmm. You know the the idea that you should be um, represented uh, by someone who you know is from your group, perhaps, mm -hmm. or at least representing your group. And the way that you do that is to ensure that everyone is reasonably equal in their representation. It's not doesn't happen when we get to the to the Senate, the, exactly. the you know, the US Senate because that's just two two per state period regardless of population, but everything else we think it's important that um, you know, people who are situated across the country and locally should get uh, equal representation under the law. Yeah, and that's why it has to be done regularly every 10 years because mm -hmm. population growth or people change, you know, people move. Um, so the 10-year the process is to, to make adjustments for those facts. And occasionally there, there's an additional district added, mm -hmm. um, as there was the case 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. um, but the population growth is the main reason why we go through that, just for the, for the very reasons you mentioned, to keep it fair. Mm -hmm. And Marty, sort of locally, how does this play out? It, it plays out similar. Uh, you know, and sometimes it's about balancing workload and representation. So just looking at the county council seat, the largest one now has a population of 145,000, and the smallest has 122. Mm. And so there's already a 20,000 difference uh, just in 10 years because those were reset to be pretty close together. So every 10 years, you go back and you say, okay, what's the total population? Let's divide it by Pierce County. It's seven districts. In City of Tacoma, it's five. Divide it and now try to get – get equal and mm -hmm. talk a little bit about how equal is equal um, in a little bit. But uh, that way you're serving a similar amount of number of people. Mm -hmm. Well, let's talk to you about um, a word that probably people have heard before, but it, it comes up a lot without being defined, and that's gerrymandering. So gerrymandering is the practice, I will say it my way, which is where the group that's drawing the lines intentionally draws the lines so that they either exclude a group of people that they don't want to swing the vote or to include a group of people that they know will vote for them. So we'll see this, let's say, in a, in a very partisan way. Let's say if you were – I grew up down in Southern California, so I'll use an example there because it's not really racial. It's more wealth. But – um, you you want to – if you are in power today and you, the group, group keeping you in power is higher income, you want to draw your lines so that the higher income people are in your group and more importantly, the lower income people are not because you figure the lower income people may not vote for you and you want to stay in power and the higher income people want to be able to control that seat. So gerrymandering, is this some, something – it happens in other states. Is this something that happens in Washington? It, 
it, we have a system designed here to um, prevent it in the form that is most notorious nationally, I guess is, is the way I would put it. Um, the, the term gerrymandering, it, it's, it, it's a very old term because people have been trying to sort of manipulate these lines um, almost since the country was created. It, it's, there, was a there was a map in Massachusetts where there was a district that sort of looked like a salamander. And so the gerrymander, it was the, the man who was in charge of it, of, of conceiving the concept, his name was actually not pronounced Jerry, it was pronounced Gary, but Gary Mander doesn't sound as good, so it's become gerrymander. So, Interesting. Yeah, so that's that's where the word comes from. But here in Washington, um, we went through uh, a period throughout the 20th century in the legislature where there were very pitched, fierce battles over redistricting. Um, and this was back at a time when the state was much more evenly divided, and so it was not uncommon to have divided government down at Olympia between the Democrats and the Republicans. But at a certain point, um, in it, right after the 1981 redistricting, actually, the the parties down in Olympia decided, essentially, we don't we don't want to go through this every 10 years or more frequently. And so they agreed on the system that our state currently uses for our state legislative and our congressional districts. And it's a process that's in the state constitution. Um, we've done it. This is the fourth time we'll be doing it. We did it in 91, in 2001, 2011, and now in 2021. And it... Uh, has one member, uh, a commission, it's a, a five-member commission, and four of the commissioners are appointed by the political parties in Olympia. So the mm -hmm. House Republicans get one, the House Democrats get one, the Senate Democrats get one, and the Senate Republicans get one. And then there's a fifth uh, member who the, the other four choose who is the chair, but that chair is non-voting. Mm -hmm. So it's those four who um, are appointed by the parties who uh, are the ones with the power. But the, the way the system is designed, in order for a map to be approved by the commission, you have to get at least three of the four votes. And so that forces the system to be bipartisan mm -hmm. um, because the you have to get at least one of the other opposition party. And another significant factor is you can't approve a congressional map and then not finish the legislative map. Uh -huh. You have the, the, yeah, the commission has to both pass by the deadline, a congressional and a legislative map or neither go into effect. And then the, there's a sort of a fail safe where it goes to the courts. Um, Interesting. Uh, Marty, how about locally? Do you have the ability to tinker enough to gerrymander or is it more set? It's a little more set. Uh, two different processes between the city and the county. Uh, the city, and when you're looking at city, there's only five districts. There's only so much moving around that you can do when you mm -hmm. start moving the pieces and they each have to be about... 44,000 people. Um, but uh, that's actually staff, city staff gets together and looks at it. Now, the Tacoma City Council is nonpartisan uh, in the election process, uh, but the staff gets together and they'll propose two or three maps to what is the Government Performance and Finance Committee, um, or at least that's what it was called. I don't know if they changed it since then. And they'll review them and, and kind of pick one and mm -hmm. then send it to the full council for adoption. Uh, last time we did it, um, uh, we actually what we did was just smooth out some of the borders, um, but by and large, a few blocks shifted here and a few blocks there. But there's not a whole lot of movement you can do because as soon as you start to push one, it just kind of rotates everything and you're right back to where you started. Mm -hmm. At the county level where we are more partisan, um, we've taken safeguards against it. Again, you're working with seven districts there, so your ability to uh, gerrymander uh, is it's still difficult because of the the less number, but um, and in both the city and the county, there's things actually in the charter that says they should be as compact as possible and keep communities together as okay. much as possible. Um, in the 
Pierce County process, what we do is we actually select two from uh, the Republican side, two from the Democratic side. We just went through that process, uh, recently appointed the two of them. The first thing they're going to do when they get together is they're going to pick a fifth nonpartisan person. Um, and that's going to be someone in the past, last time it was a retired judge mm -hmm. uh, who comes in. And then the five of them, um, the next job they, they have is to hire a redistricting master. And this is a nonpartisan person who comes in who's uh, – got demonstrated skill in actually drawing maps. Wow. And they'll sit down and look at the numbers, see what needs to shift and say, you know, come back to the commission and say, uh, first I'll ask the commission, you know, what are your priorities? And so they help develop the priorities, but they come back and say, these are three or four different maps. Uh, which one do you approve? The commission approves it. It never comes back to the partisan county council for approval then. Whatever gets approved or at some point, even if they can't agree, what a map master puts forward becomes the map. That's interesting. So you sort of have have something similar to the state's redistricting commission in terms of the setup. Um, who who are the people who've been on put on for the county? For the county, we have put on and uh, from the Republican side, it is Sharon Hannock. Uh, and Doug Richardson. Okay. Um, and then from the Democratic side is Justin Layton and Joy Stanford. Oh, interesting. That's an interesting mix of people. That should uh, yield a very interesting process. These are public, and you can watch those conversations. So, oh, yes. interesting. Uh, yeah, if you go on the county website, there's a page set up for redistricting that will show all the processes, the, the meeting minutes. They will go around the county and actually mm -hmm. hold meetings to, to get feedback, um, and a lot of that will be publicly posted on the uh, Pierce County website. Excellent. Phil, who's on the state redistricting commission? Yeah, so the, the Republicans have chosen two former legislators, two white men from the King County suburbs, um, Paul Graves and Joe Fain. Um, the Democrats have selected, um, uh, the Senate Democrats selected Brady Walkinshaw, who was a, a state representative and, and ran for Congress in 2016 when Jim McDermott retired. Um, and has been an um, uh, environmental activist and writer in, in the time since. Um, he's also a LGBTQ Washingtonian. Um, and then the, the House Democrats selected a, a Pierce County uh, favorite of mine, uh, mm -hmm. and I think everybody who knows her, April Sims, um, who I, I believe at the current moment is the secretary treasurer of the Washington State Labor Council yeah. um, in addition to these duties. Um, so I, 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 they're both wonderful, um, and I'm, you know, as a Democrat, I'm, I'm very glad that they're there at the table. Yeah, that's a good makeup, too. Uh, and what's interesting about the redistricting commission this year, I think, is that for me, they're all relatively young. Now, mind you, that may be because I'm getting older. But uh, traditionally, a lot of times there were uh, sort of retired legislators on the commission. So it tended to trend a little bit older white man. And this year, I mean, it's it, it's more diverse. It's younger and uh, and all four of those people are are people who would not have any hesitation in you know explaining why they're making making decisions the way they're making them. Yeah, I think that's accurate. And, and and ten years ago, you know, one of the Republican commissioners was former U.S. Senator Slate Gorton, mm -hmm. um, and the other one was was Tom Huff, who was a state representative from Gig Harbor, if I yeah. recall correctly. Um, so yeah, so this this time around the commission, it, it is much younger, like you said, more diverse. The the non voting chair there is a. a woman named uh, Sarah Augustine, who has done a lot of conflict resolution, I think, in, in overseas areas and has a, a very interesting background that I, I don't entirely remember, so I don't mm -hmm. want to. But if you, you look her up, she's, she's a, I think she's a wonderful pick. I, that was the first decision the commissioners had to make, and I, I think she was a very good selection. Yeah, that is very interesting. Well, um, 
What has the um, State Redistricting Commission been doing? Yeah, so um, this is where COVID finally intervenes, as it unfortunately as it does, always in, does in yes. anything. So uh, as, as folks may have seen in the news, the release of the data for this redistricting process all over the country was delayed by many, many months from what it typically would be. Well, and I'd back up, too, and say, you know, there was a lot of concerns last year that the census count mm-hmm. was going to be a complete mess mm-hmm. also because of COVID. And I think at least for Washington State, the census count was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. I have I have not heard um, sort of specific complaints after the fact, mm-hmm. I, I think, and and the results that we gave were sort of in line with what we were expecting, or the results that we were given were in line mm-hmm. with what we were expecting. Um, but but because of the the slowness and the delays and, and some of the intentional uh, monkeying with the process that that the Trump administration did, the release of that data that the states need was delayed by by many months. And mm-hmm. so while the commission was established in January of this year, they did not actually get the data to be able to begin drawing the maps until last um, last month on August 12th. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So, and, and typically they would get it in about April. Now, a simultaneous thing that happened is in the previous three rounds of our state using this redistricting commission, the deadline for that commission to come up with their maps had been January 1 of the following year. So, it mm-hmm. would have been January 1, 2022. Um, a... a very obscure thing happened in 2016. There was a lot happening in 2016, but one of the things that was on the ballot in the fall of 2016 was a constitutional amendment to our state constitution that passed in all 39 counties, got 77% of the vote, and it moved that deadline from January 1 forward to November 15. Huh. And the reason for that, and I guess to people's credit, they said this very openly, is that they didn't want to do it over the holidays. And oh, Thanksgiving. Okay. Because the nature of this process is it's there's, you know, it's a brinkmanship, it's a high stake negotiation, sure. and everyone sort of goes down to the last minute. Yeah. And so if we know that, then why not just have the last minute be earlier? Earlier. But the unintended consequence of that, since we got the data so late oh, and we moved it forward, is everything is very compressed. Okay. Um, but the commissioners are they're aware of this and and doing their best to, to accommodate for it. But it is a particularly unusual circumstance this year because of everything. Yeah, that's interesting. So, Marty, on the county level, uh, is the county commission waiting? Are they starting to do something, or do they wait until after the legislative and congressional district plans are out? Uh, we don't work in conjunction with, okay. with that overlay. So we just seated our commission because um, I think our uh, law said that we had to wait till we received the data before you could appoint the commission. Oh, okay. Which was never a problem because normally you get it in, in February, point them about April or so. So this time, I mean, we were we received it and we started the process immediately. So they haven't, uh, last I checked, they hadn't picked the fifth person yet. They haven't mm-hmm. gotten together. They've been appointed, but they haven't gotten together for their initial meeting. Right. Um, again, under a very tight timeline, uh, like the state legislature, elections are next year. And yeah. so uh, another reason, you know, we have like, it's a 120-day process that technically if everything goes to the end, it could be next February or March before we actually even find out okay. what the county council districts are. But we've asked them you know, to accelerate that, and we want to know before the end of the year. I, 
I'm on the ballot next year. You'd Hopefully like to, I'd like to know what my district <laughs> yeah. uh, is going to be like. Now, again, I'm in the center, and so it's going to shift, but I don't think it's going to shift a whole lot. So I think it's going to be a lot of the same. Interesting. Um, but uh, it, it definitely makes it interesting. Yeah. So the county doesn't have the November 15th deadline. I No. I, yeah. I would have They're to rolling double, it forward. double check. So we've got uh, – okay. we've got – more time, yeah. uh, if that's if but that's you a have good thing. Other pressures, because right. I agree. You know, you you want to file your new campaign, and you want to know what the perimeters of your district might be. Yep. Yeah. And, and if our county auditor were here, or any county auditor, they would say that they want these lines as soon as mm-hmm. possible because they have to redraw all the precincts based on all of the new lines. So, there's hundreds of those. Right, yeah. And, and those lines, actually, they have to make sure they're not cutting a county district or a legislative district or a congressional district or a city district. So they have to get all this in before they can actually draw those precinct lines. Wow. So yeah. we will actually, they won't be able to do it. So that's why we're under some pressure. Yeah. Um, the city, not as much because they don't have elections next year, but mm-hmm. they are under that mm-hmm. that legislative or the auditor's. Interesting. So when does the auditor want or need to have all of these maps so that they can do their work? I I will be, be cautious and say you should you should ask your local county auditor. But mm-hmm. my understanding of this process is is it's it's all those districts that Mar- that Marty named and then also, you know, of course the districts that don't change, school districts, parks districts, you know, there's there's tons and tons. And so they sort of overlay everything and draw those and you know, the, the filing deadline for office is in May. Mid-May. Yeah. yeah second week in May it, usually. So, yeah. so I think they like to have their maps, their precinct maps done around March or April. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is one unintended benefit of the state moving theirs to November 15 is it does give the county auditors a bit more time at yeah. least for those maps. But if there are county lines being redrawn, then, then they can't totally complete it until later on. Interesting. Interesting. All right. So... What happens next? What happens next with the state redistricting? Yeah, so so again, they received the data at last on August 12th. Um, they'd previously been doing outreach meetings around the state mm-hmm. um, in every each of the 10 congressional districts. Yeah, what, what kind of, what happens at an outreach meeting? Because I'm thinking, so I, I'm in Derek Kilmer's district, and mm-hmm. I, I assume I'm going to stay in Derek Kilmer's district, but, you know, it, I guess things could shift. But, I mean, oh, what sort of things do people talk about at an outreach meeting? I mean, I other than saying I like my congressperson now, and I mean, I, I don't know that I really would have very strong feelings about where I should end up or, or how my map should be drawn. Yeah, I think that is a, a I think that is the norm. <laughs> People don't have really strong opinions um, about about the, the specifics of it so long as sort of the overall process is fair. But the folks who, who do have some specific concerns and have raised them, um, first of all, this year all the outreach meetings are done over Zoom. Um, oh, so that's yeah. you know both a little different but also more accessible in a sense. Um, but there, there are some folks who – or coalitions who are advocating for districts that um, provide better representation for um, different racial minority groups depending mm-hmm. on the part of the state. Um, making sure uh, Indian nations reservation lines are all contained within oh, one good. legislative district, for example. There's uh, the – I believe the, the – Colville over in mm-hmm. eastern Washington. That, that's something they're they're advocating for this year. But then you'll also have circumstances where, um, you know, for instance, Bremerton right now is divided between at least two legislative districts, I think three. Okay. And um, there, are, there are folks who, you know, advocate that they want 
their town right. to all be in one. The challenge is you can't accommodate, you know, each of these demands are, 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 are not demands, requests are, mm-hmm. are reasonable on their own, but you can't accommodate them all. Mm-hmm. Um, but the commissioners, even though they didn't have the data yet, they've begun to sort of listen and, and, and bring that process in. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but so anyway, so, so yeah. the next big thing that's happening on the state and, and congressional one is on September 21. Mm-hmm. The four commissioners will each release a draft map of what they believe the legislative uh, district line should look like. So these are the 49 legislative districts are uh, we, we elect one senator and, and two state representatives from each of the districts. And then a week after that, on September 28th, they'll all four come out with a draft congressional map each. Interesting. And, and people can go online to redistricting.wa.gov and provide comments on, in, in a general sense or on specific proposals. Mm-hmm. Um, but then after that, it's not really – there may be more drafts. There may be more outreach. It's really entirely up to the commissioner so mm-hmm. long as they – uh, have an affirmative vote by by that deadline on November fifteen. I mean, I, I it's possible. I don't think very likely, but it's possible that they might all come up with something that's so similar that there wouldn't be a whole lot of need to negotiate between them. Yeah, that's that's entirely, especially this year when we're not adding a new congressional district like we did ten years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there will, you know, this process we we sort of frame it in here in Washington. Because we've gotten rid of the the gerrymandering and, and taken out of the legislature, we like to think of it as sort of not partisan at all. But it actually still is partisan. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, these these commissioners are appointed by their parties and um, are aiming for that. So, in that sense, there will be still be some contention. But something that you can sort of see when you see these drafts come out is if there's a certain concept or a certain shift that is apparent in all four maps yeah. or three of the four. You can pretty much figure that that's probably going to be in the final product. Mm-hmm. And then seeing where the differences are, that's where you can see where the sort of points of contention may be uh, as they sort out the process. Yeah. Marty, how how's it working or how will it be working at the county level? Will they do the outreach type activities too and um, will they be getting similar feedback, do you think? They'll be going around. Yeah, I, I, I think it will be very similar. Um, now that they're seated, once they get the other people on board, they'll start having meetings where possible, out in the communities, hybrid. We've been doing a lot of hybrid meetings. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't have to travel as far around the state. Um, but obviously, Zoom meetings and some local ones out in the area. Uh, and checking with the city of Tacoma, and, you know, I sent an email over to them. Um, and they, uh, they're developing an outreach plan in keeping with the city's anti-racist systems transfer ta- transformation objectives. And so the mayor's been working on that. So they're they're going to be doing some outreach and looking at um, uh, racial equity in some of it. Because while they say each district has expanded by about 3,500, they've all expanded about equally. Mm-hmm. They're still going to look at their maps um, through an anti-racist lens. Well, let me just add in then what they really should do is get rid of the at-large members. Because right now... And traditionally, that tends to boost the representation of the North Tacoma white neighborhoods. That is factually accurate. Yes. I know it is. <laughs> so if they really want to transform, she, this is a great opportunity to do so. She's right, folks. Yeah. <laughs> she's right. Traditionally, they do. We have one currently who lives uh, uh, in the South End. Yes. Um, and uh, currently, right now, the city council actually has the majority of members living south of I-5. For the first time in its history. Yeah, but does when, that change this fall? Maybe? Um, 
that could. Yeah. I don't know where one of them lives. Well, in one of them, I think one is Hilltop and the other one's there. But it would mm-hmm. still be, you'd still have a majority south of 6th Avenue. Yeah, and that's a big um, change in yeah. the 20 years that I've lived here. Yeah, because right before I came on council, they actually had five of them living within a mile of each other in the Proctor District, yeah. um, maybe a mile and a half. But uh, so we already do have greater representation. The one thing about the three at large, not to get too much off, but every person votes for a majority of the council because they'll vote for their district, their mayor, and then the three at large. And so they actually have votes in five members of the yeah, council. Yeah, but those people don't live – there's nothing that causes them to be a geographically dispersed group if they are now – Great, but that could change right back there, to plus, what it used plus, to be. Pluses, minuses. There, I'd like to see our school district look at some districting yes. first because we've had, um, I think, two or three members living south of I five on our school district. Yeah, uh, school district so, is frankly shameful. It's had more. Dis- They've had so many a majority in the North Tacoma making policy for the entire district. So that definitely should change. Not not having so here's the here's the note for you guys. Not having districts is actually a very bad thing because then the people with more resources who can run campaigns tend to get elected and that tends to concentrate power in certain neighborhoods in your city and that's not good. So yeah. We'll you see. You could imagine the, the Port Commission, if those were district, how much easier oh, it would be to run. And, the Port Commission, yeah. another one that should be districted. Well, wow, so much work for us to do. And we could say parks, too, because, again, I don't parks. believe there's anyone from parks who's ever lived south of I-5. I'd have to go back and research that, probably less than two or three. Again, all your parks decisions have traditionally been made by people living in North uh, Tacoma, North, North, Northeast, which is where the nicest parks are, too. Shocking, Hmm. shocking, Hmm. but true. So that's uh, something for another day. But let's take a short break. And then when we come back, I want you to talk about what your personal projections might be for potential changes. This is Nate Bowling, host of the Channel 253 show Nerd Farmer. And this episode is sponsored by Pacific Lutheran University. If we've learned anything from the last two years, it's that the future is unpredictable, which is why education, and higher education in particular, should equip students with the ability to be flexible and innovate. Students should leave college with the determination needed to understand a problem and explore solutions. And they need a spark of creativity so they can find new ways to turn their smart ideas into reality. But these traits and skills can only be set into motion by one thing, transformative care. Pacific Lutheran University is a small private college where caring means more than kindness and consideration. It means bold commitment to expanding well-being, opportunities, and justice. And just let me add an amen to that. Caring helps us all to question paradigms and draw new connections in pursuit of truth, constantly challenging ourselves and the world we love to be better for our neighbors, those down the street and thousands of miles away. PLU is more than a campus full of individuals pursuing their dreams. It's a community of seekers, trailblazers, creators, and reformers who know we can accomplish more together than apart. To apply, schedule a campus visit, or learn more about PLU's undergrad and graduate programs, please visit plu.edu. Okay, we're back. Hey, before we get back into making projections for districts, uh, if you are not yet a member of Channel 253, I strongly recommend you consider becoming a member $4 a month, $40 a year. 
and you get access to a couple of special premium items. The wonderful on the record, off the record podcast by Doug Mackey and our member Slack channel, which I just find is actually a fantastic source for local information. So please consider joining us. Okay. Next week, uh, the redistricting commission will come out with some four proposals for uh, legislative districts. And the week after, they'll come up with four proposals for congressional districts. Phil, what do you think we're going to see? Well, I guess let's start with the legislative. So the – and I'm, I'm going to do something very – anyone listening, if you can pull up a map of the state, <laughs> what I'm saying will make a lot more sense because we're, we're talking about something that is inherently visual. And, yeah, and, that's true. Yeah, and without the visual aid, it, it's difficult. But if, if, if you can imagine the state of Washington in your head um, – how it's important to conceptualize this is to almost think of it as three different states because the truth is we are very hesitant historically and, and I suspect this time as well to have many districts cross the Cascade Mountains. Yeah. It, it does currently happen under the current map, the, the 8th Congressional District, but none of the legislative districts do. And historically, it's been very uncommon. It's also quite uncommon for a district to cross the Puget Sound. Mm. Um, right now, it, it does happen with the 6th Congressional District, um, but – and and a long – well, I guess last – the decade before last, Jay Inslee's district, it, it had both sort of northern Kitsap and then mm -hmm. went over into Snohomish. But historically, we don't like to do that. And so what that does is it it forces you to make choices about where districts can go based on – where they need to mm -hmm. sort of cross that boundary. So down by the Columbia River or down in the South Puget Sound is sort of typically the points of confluence. And so one of the things that we do already have uh, data-wise is we know of the existing legislative districts, which ones are overpopulated and which ones are underpopulated. And so generally speaking, well, in, in every case, if, if a district is overpopulated, that means its geographic footprint has to shrink. So if it's over, it has to shrink. And if it's underpopulated, that means it has to take in more area. So if it's under, it has to grow. And so you can't um, seed population or take population from Canada or Idaho or Oregon or the mm -hmm. Pacific Ocean. So one way that, that I usually start thinking about this is you start in eastern Washington mm -hmm. and – you figure out within eastern Washington what those are all going to look like, and then you can calculate essentially how many legislative districts are going to need to be entirely in eastern Washington and then which one you're going to cross over the Cascades and where you're going to do it. And then you're going to continue to do that sort of up the I-5 corridor and onto the Olympic Peninsula and then up uh, into King County and such. The general trend of how the, the population data came back is that the eastern Washington legislative districts are underpopulated and the area in – or King County is overpopulated. Mm -hmm. And then the area in western Washington, not in King County, is about net even. So you're going to have this sort of gradual shift of population starting in eastern Washington, working its way up I-5, working its way through the peninsula and into King County. And the net effect, because King County is the most overpopulated, is that everything's going to have to sort of nudge, move, you know, pick, pick your verb, a little bit towards King County. And, and the net effect of that is it's going to give King County a bit more power than it does mm -hmm. right now. Now, we're talking about pretty slight changes. Um, so I don't want to overstate that impact. 
but uh, the the net effect sort of inevitably is that the Eastern Washington LDs are, are going to – there's going to be a little fewer and there's going to be more in King County. And, and given the partisan nature of things, Eastern Washington being much more Republican, King County being much more Democratic, that is going to make it, I think, a, a bit more easier for Democrats to maintain and even grow their majorities, uh, so that's especially in King County sort of exurban districts like mm-hmm. the 31st, which also crosses over um, the 39th. You know, those areas, they have to move towards Seattle. And the closer you get to Seattle, the more Democratic it gets. Mm-hmm. And so those Republican members, um, they have to be fairly nervous. Um, but but there's other sort of odd knock-on effects throughout that, you know, we can – it, it will, will, will narrow the, the possibilities once we see the maps. But, yeah. but one local thing that people are wondering is whether the 26th legislative district will come across the Narrows Bridge. Which is, oh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Do you think it needs to? It, need, it might need to to gain some people. So it is roughly even in terms of its pop. It's it's sort of at the number that it needs to be. But the problem is, nearly all the districts around it, especially the ones out on the Olympic Peninsula and in Southwest Washington, those are severely underpopulated. Okay, so they might need to push a little bit further right. east, and then that might cause the twenty six, which is you know. I'll say Gig Harbor's the hub of it. It mm-hmm. might push a little bit to the west and cross the bridge. Yeah, and so and so if they make that decision to cross the bridge, it makes it it gives them a lot more flexibility. Mm-hmm. Because if not, then they're going to have to make their their hands are sort of forced in terms of the Kitsap and, and Olympic Peninsula in terms of the lines they're going to use. Well, I will say right now the twenty sixth is a, is is sort of a it's a a split district mm-hmm. in terms of Democrat Republican. If they if they push east and cross the bridge into Tacoma, even if it's just the the fringe of the of the water, Tacoma, that may change their demographics quite a bit in terms of Democrats and Republicans. It could, and though again, you every district what happens matters in the other one too because mm-hmm. the the place where the narrowest oh, bridge lets out is in the twenty eighth, which has has become much more democratic over this decade. But yeah. was, was originally drawn to be a swing district and, and still is very competitive. Yeah, um, so it, it'll. I, I don't know what'll happen, and, and it's it's a involves a bunch of trade-offs, but it would not be unprecedented because you know the uh, the seventh county council district that crosses the bridge, and yeah. Derek Kilmer's district crosses the bridge. Um, so that'll be that's that's I think mm-hmm. the big Pierce mm-hmm. County unknown in my mind. What's interesting to me is the process you've described, which is very logical, is sort of you know starts with the physical geography of the state mm-hmm. and whatever natural barriers are in place mm-hmm. traditionally uh, being adhered to. And then sort of, you know, does little, you know, fluctuations uh, for population. But there really isn't a place there to factoring in things like do we have a majority-minority district? Do we have, let's say, in the Tri-Cities, a a significant population of – you know, Latinos, but not traditionally a lot of representation from the Latino community. I mean, how, how do you factor in some of those social equity, uh, racial equity issues? Do they really get onto the map or are they more just something we talk about and we think about, but in the end it's going to be numbers and and um, geography? Yeah, so that, that's that's a great question. And, and 10 years ago, um, that redistricting process, that was sort of the first time where those questions were really raised and, and put to the fore. There was a, a push to create a majority-minority congressional district in South King County, and mm-hmm. that that was what was drawn. It's the district that Adam Smith represents now, and it, it wasn't one particular um, racial minority. It was a, a conglomeration of, of um, 
African-American and Hispanic and, and different Asian-American communities. Um, and then in, in eastern Washington and Yakima County, there was a majority Hispanic district drawn 10 years ago. Um, I, the fact is that the the that district in eastern Washington, it, ha, it has not elected a Hispanic member in those 10 mm-hmm. years, and, and Adam Smith has represented it. Uh, the ninth, but that doesn't mean it wasn't, you know, in the right direction. And that if if we start doing that and and start to put that on the table mm-hmm. over time, that that can move things in that direction. But yeah, the the, the sort of and it's ultimately it's entirely up to the discretion of the redistricting commissioners. There's no sort of limitations on on what factors they should prioritize or value because. You know, another thing that that some political scientists say districts should be drawn for is to make them intentionally more competitive hmm. um, or intentionally make them as compact as possible. And and a lot of these sort of principles make sense in abstract, um, but you can't – some of them sort of become contradictory with each other when you try to implement it in practice. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the overall almost unstated picture is the, the partisan makeup of right. it. And if, if – are you going to sacrifice some of those things – if it means your party gets a, a slightly less favorable map. And right. I don't think there's a, there's a right or wrong answer there. It's just something right. to think about. Well, I'm, I'll ask you something about congressional districts, but first let's turn to Marty and say, what are you sort of expecting to see or what might we see uh, locally in changes? Well, um, again, at the city level, they went uh, – city of Tacoma went up about 22,000 in population. Uh, they say pretty equally distributed among mm, the districts. Okay. So not expecting a lot of big shifts in the city districts. You know, what we did last time, uh, Randy Lewis actually helped run the process. And mm-hmm. and he was so proud of the map he'd drawn 20 years earlier that actually used census blocks to, like, get the numbers. And, and this is where I talk about we want to make them as equal as possible. But how equal do they need to be? Within 1 percent of each other? Oh, yeah. Within a half a percent? Within 2 percent? And he got it down to, like, a half a percent apart. Wow. But the borders, you try to explain to someone, you're like, well, if you go down I Street and then left okay. for 45th and then down here. And I said, well, what would it look like if we drew as straight a line as possible? You just go all the way down McKinley, you just go all the way up Orchard. And they're like, well, you go from a half percent off to 1.2% off. Interesting. And so it, but it made it easy to say where you lived. Yes. Because it was easy to say if you're on this side of the street, you're this or that. And so we sacrificed precision over data that was already two years old at that point Mm -hmm. um, for compactness, for ease of understanding where you live. Well, that kind of makes sense because you you do still want to have sort of the concept of I know I I know the district I live in. Right. You know, Mm -hmm. there is sort of a tie to there's a place here and the place has a certain meaning to it, even if there's, you know, maybe a few more people over in the place next door to me. Right. And by the time the maps get put into place, geographies have already, people have already moved, new houses have been built. In Pierce County, we're seeing a little bit different. Um, And so uh, they've gone from uh, seven, in 2010, we were at uh, 795,000 to we just hit 900,700. That's quite a lot. So countywide, we went up, yeah, about a about 105,000 people okay. countywide, which is a pretty good percentage there. Um, and so what you're seeing is some big shifts. And so this is where podcasts, you can pause the map. Pause, <laughs> pause it, go pull up the map. Pull on, the map. Uh, uh, and um, what we're seeing is in almost a little bit of the opposite, where we see that one in three, which are the uh, Eastern Pierce, and two have all, we've done a lot of building. So mm-hmm. they need to shrink. 
Um, mm -hmm. Whereas the Tacoma ones we've seen building, but not at the level of you've seen with Tahali or some of these big housing developments going in. So they need to actually expand in size in order to get equal representation. So, wow. so when you're looking at the map where this gets really interesting really quick is the 7th, which is we talked about earlier, Gig Harbor, the peninsula comes over into West Tacoma, uh, some of Central Tacoma. That one needs to grow by approximately 6,300 people. Hmm. Now, it only borders four. So that means they pretty much have to take them out of four to begin with. And four needs to grow by 7,000. Okay. So now you've if so you take four is going to lose a little bit off of one edge, but still needs to grow a little bit for those well, extra four thousand. Yeah, but now so you move the sixty three hundred in. Now it has to grow by thirteen thousand. Oh, that's a pretty that's a big chunk. That can be a pretty big chunk. So does that come out of northeast Tacoma with two, which needs to shrink a little bit? Does it push into five? Does it push into six? Six needs to shrink. Five needs to grow by about five thousand. So, again, if it pushes into five, then five has to it's go out. Bigger. But you got one, which needs to reduce by 8,000, and three, which needs to reduce by about 5,000, and two, which needs to reduce by about 3,000. So even one, now you go, at, say you go right to left, he reduces by 8,000. It's Dave Morrell's district, mm -hmm. but one reduces by uh, uh, 8,000. Well, if that's pulling two this way, or does it pull three kind of in its border with three is actually pretty small in the urban area. It's got a large yeah. uh, split Mount Rainier. But so this shift, this completely shift to the east is going to be interesting in how it comes across through Tacoma. Well, and and in Pierce County, I mean, as you very, very well know, we have a pretty strong divide between Democrats and Republicans. So do you think that shifting some of these borders would have any impact on that? It absolutely could. Um, you're you're looking at right now. You've got um, you know one and three are very they're running seventy percent um, to the R side. Uh, five currently is about sixty percent to the D. Four in the seventy, but six and two are pretty even. Even mm -hmm. seven, you know. So there's three of them that are within a few points where a good candidate from either party could could win that. And as a matter of fact, we've seen um, both six and seven switch. Uh, parties within the last uh, ten years, yeah. and 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 to the demographics, you know, say that it's there that it that it could with the right candidates um, in the right way. So some of the shift, what's that going to do? So mm -hmm. uh, it could, in theory, if if they go with a very simple, you know, assuming that they don't go for a complete redraw, like mm -hmm. all of a sudden seven is all this half of this, and you know, if, as long as they're not. Looking at a complete redraw, seven would become more Democratic, but two would become more Republican. Interesting. Um, because it would shift up towards Bonnie Lake. Mm -hmm. um, six, again, needs to shrink by about uh, uh, 3,000, I think it was. So that's going to impact it a little bit, but not a lot. It's 3,000 out of 45,000, so it's less than mm -hmm. a 10% a, a shift. So, uh, But it could make it just a little more competitive. And uh, again, assuming you don't have a major redraw, right? Well, and, and five, I, I really don't know. It could get pushed several different <laughs> ways. So I'm just at, at, at this point, I've just kind of put my hands up and says it's in the process's hands. And yeah. when the process is done, because um, I can redraw this map so many ways, and they yeah. all involve moving five around. And so, mm -hmm. and you know, we know that's going to happen. And uh, you know, my hope is that what comes out of it is something that uh, uh, represents the people well and. You know, at that point, uh, you know, my job is always going to be just to represent 
it's up to the commission to decide who we represent. It's my mm -hmm. job to do it well. Yeah, that's and, fair. As a resident of the fifth county council district, mm -hmm. I, I certainly hope I don't I don't lose uh, <laughs> Councilmember Campbell, but um, maybe maybe I will get one of his his uh, respected are you, colleagues. But, are you on sort of the edges? Um, I am. Yes. Yeah. 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 It could happen. It yeah. could happen. I, I live in, in East Tacoma, so yeah. Yeah. I we live um, like a few houses away from the line between the twenty seventh and the twenty eighth mm -hmm. uh, legislative district. So we we might pop over to a different yeah. legislative district. Well, yes. in, in that concept, Marty was was just talking about how one district may be under or overpopulated, but because of the knock-on effect of a neighboring district, that's something really important to think about for the Pierce County legislative districts as well. Because I've had conversations with a few folks who live in a legislative district and they, they see the data and they say, oh, well, we're under or we're over, and they sort of start making plans based on just them. Mm -hmm. But by the time, you know, you take into account eastern Washington and the peninsulas and stuff, by the time it gets to Pierce County, all of our LDs are going to have to sort of move a bit towards King County just because of that hmm. that shift of the population growth. Mm -hmm. And so, again, it's it's not going to be sort of an unrecognizable map, but it may change in ways that are not intuitive if you're only looking at districts Local. in isolation. Yeah. Interesting. All right. Yeah, looking at this as kind of a microcosmos of just how one can affect another can affect another just across three exactly. mm -hmm. compounding. Now you take that times 40. And that's why I look at the state one. I'm like, <laughs> God bless them for working on that because right. there's so many pressures going so many different directions. Right. You know. It's pretty interesting, though. It is, yeah. And, and I don't if we have time for the, the congressional. You yeah, know, yeah. It, Tell okay. me about the congressional. Yeah, so so this will be much less dramatic than it was ten years ago when we added a new district. Um, so so getting getting stating that, but you know the the nature is of the the population how it's distributed the the fifth and the fourth, which are the ones in eastern Washington, and then the third, which is Vancouver and Southwest Washington. Those will have to shift a bit, but. They're bordered sort of on all sides by other Republican parts mm -hmm. of the state generally, and um, it, it's pretty unlikely that you're going to see a dramatic shift in uh, the, the partisan makeup of those. The big, I think, unanswered question is what will happen with the 8th Congressional District, which is the one currently represented by Dr. Schreier, Yes, was previously represented by Dave Reichert, was yeah. drawn to be a little favorable to Dave Reichert, but has become very almost truly 50-50. Um, it it will probably need to – well, it will have to lose some of its eastern Washington territory because mm. the fourth and the fifth are underpopulated. Okay. So then the question is do you want to have just a very limited part of, of uh, eastern Washington in that district and even more limited than it is right now? Or do you just want to go back to the way we previously done it and say the Cascades are going to be a mm -hmm. border? Um, because what's interesting about the 8th Congressional District is it it has that portion of eastern Washington. The bulk of it's in King County, but then it also has all of uh, eastern Pierce County. It goes mm -hmm. Mount Rainier. And that portion of Pierce County in the 8th is actually more Republican slightly than the eastern Washington portion of that district. Interesting. Yeah. So, But someone has to represent that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so that's going to be an interesting sort of tussle and, and, and pull between – um, the members and the commissioners to figure out how that's all going to going to balance. Like uh, Congressman Kilmer, the sixth mm -hmm. district, that one is very underpopulated, mm -hmm. and because he's sort of in a corner, surrounded by the water, right. he will have to take from someone, and then they will have to take to you know the one next, so so on and so forth. But um, I, I think overall, in terms of the partisan balance, you're not going to see dramatic shifts here, but. Um, you may see some geographies adjust. And, mm -hmm. and again, like with the legislative lines, everything's going to shrink or move sort of a little towards King County and the population mm -hmm. center there. Mm -hmm. Interesting. 
All right. Well, that's probably it for episode one. Uh, episode two, we're going to talk about, okay, what do the plans look like now that the Redistricting Commission has released their their proposals? Um, but before we get to that, anything else you'd like to add on redistricting, Phil? Well, you know, the redistricting.wa.gov, which is the, the commissioner's website, they have a lot of educational resources on there if you're just interested in learning more about the history of the process or the, the technical matters of it. They also have a very interesting tool where if you want to actually go in and draw your own map mm-hmm. and submit that, you can do that. I will, I will warn you, it will take you a long time. Yeah. I, I know a bunch of people who sort of create an account and they sort of play with it for 20 minutes and then it's like, oh, this is – Harder than yeah. I thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which, which there's nothing wrong with that. It's mm-hmm. good to play it out. But uh, if you are interested in doing a full map, you you have that capability. And I think that's – lots of states don't have something like that. So mm-hmm. I think that's one one great thing. Um, but, no, it's it's an interesting process. And, and Evelyn, I, I would not get in here without mentioning my, my, my favorite listener and the most important one, my mother, who is an a active participant or, or at least follows the Channel 253 Slack channel. So I uh, oh, just excellent. want to put a plug in that too. It's, it's a good thing. So. Excellent. Well, thank you. I'm so glad your mom's doing that. <laughs> And Marty, how about you? Final uh, final thoughts on this episode of Redistricting, and then next time we're going to get into a little bit more of now, what do we know? Yes. So by then we should have some new information coming out on the county. I don't know if we'll have first maps or not, but if we do, uh, be talking about those or where we're at in the process. Again, you can follow it along on the county website. I don't have the exact address, but it's go on there and search redistricting. Well, I'll look for it and we'll put it on the show notes if people go to the um, Crossing Division website. Yep. So feel feel free to uh, look at that. Again, you can kind of sit down and look at the map, look at the numbers and and I don't know if we've got a draw your own map function, but <laughs> uh, you can you can kind of just play with what if you move neighborhoods, you know, Excellent. what does that look like? Yeah. Uh, so it uh, you can have some of that same fun. Some of that same fun. Oh, can't get enough of that. Okay, well, we'll see you guys in two weeks, and then we will talk about how things are firming up. All right. Thank you for having us. Thank you both. Yeah, thank you. Did you know Channel 253 is member-supported? I'm producer Doug Mackey, and I hope you will show your support by going to channel253.com slash membership and join. Thank you. Crossing Division is part of the Channel 253 Podcast Network. Check out our other shows. Nerd Farmer, Interchangeable White Ladies, We Art Tacoma, Move to Tacoma, Taco Man, Flounder's B-Team, Citizen Tacoma, What Say You, and Gimme the Mic. This is Channel 253.